Will we have results by Wednesday? I can't imagine we have results by Wednesday. Maybe. Maybe. We'll have results of the indictment. Oh. I mean, that's... Talking about the election. I know, I know, I know. It's so like, much going on. Tuesday's going to be a big day. We should probably talk about it on a Super podcast Tuesday. Yeah, something. I think that's a good idea. Uh, anyhow. That's like the cold open, and then the music comes in. Welcome, everybody, <laughs> to Draft Politics. I'm your host, Steve, and with me here, as always, with a beer in his hand, enjoying life. Hey, TJ. Welcome to episode 91. Here at Dovetail Brewery, we are just a few days away from really crazy Super Tuesday in both Chicago and the nation. Yes, yes. As we plow We forward. will know many things this week. Of import to many people. Uh, So, obviously, the local stuff is prominent to us, but we're going to follow our usual flow. So, feel free to skip ahead if that's your jam. But you know what? We're going to be entertaining in the meantime. So, I I think you should skip around the whole thing. Yes, I'm I'm hilarious. I know that. So, (laughs) you always kill it. That's right. So, on the national front, because evidently we're a Senate health blog. (laughs) <laughs> in our last episode, we had one senator who fell down and had a concussion. Now we're talking about John Fetterman coming back. So we took a little bit of a hiatus um, trying to recover from dep- depression that was related to the stroke that he had uh, around the primaries during the midterm. So welcome back, John Fetterman. Yes. The average height of the Senate has now gone up <laughs> two and a half inches. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. His, his sizable presence will be welcome there. Um, yeah, so then uh, from there, uh, we've got uh, the Republican House. We wanted to give you some updates on what they've been doing. But honestly, there's really not much to tell you. They've been having hearings on things, I guess, about things. <laughs> it's, and, and it's, it's theater. It's, it's bad theater. It's community. Ba- it's, like ba- it's not, bad not just community, community theater. theater. There's going to be good community theater, but like like bad community theater. Like, you know, it's that person who's been in charge for, for too long and isn't willing to step down and is just like miscasting everybody. And I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's, all, it's all terrible. They've just decided they're not going to do anything. And, hey, look, they're not going to get anything past the Senate. So right. it's, it, so what it's else hard are they for them do? to do much. So they've, they've gone to wasting our money on new committees that really don't have an outcome. Well, what about, you know, the, what they could do is, you know, put out a budget. They could do that, but they're not doing that. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. That's surprising. It has been fun to me to watch the, the talking points because everything they say about spending and like, ah, it's all terrible. And the response from the White House is, oh, that's great. Let's see the budget. Right. Doesn't matter. Uh, that's great. Let's just see the budget. Yeah. If I could just see the budget, if you don't mind. Yeah, just the budget. Can I, can I, can I get a budget? Yeah. Can I, you, can you, I just? You know, okay, so let me explain. That's what I'm saying. It's the, it's the house is where the budget starts, you see. And so, anyhow, yeah. So, uh, that that's all fine and good and, and hilarious until, of course, then we, you know, fall off the budget cliff, the uh, debt the debt ceiling limit, We've apocalypse, got some time on whatever. The yeah, We've got some time on the cliff. And because there's so little happening actually in Washington right now, even though maybe there should be something happening on, say, gun control, but uh, yeah, we can substitute craziness in Florida for... Yes, yes, let's... Uh, right. 
Yes. So well, since that is where the that is the the heart and soul of Republican uh, politics now. It is. Yes. So let's, it is. It's like it's like when you're cooking something down, you just cook it down to its essence. Yes. Of the crazy. Yes. So you're saying it's it's uh, meth. Uh, <laughs> Something exactly. like that. Exactly. Um, yeah. So you know, if we if we think back a little bit, you know, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, you may know him from his uh, fascism, uh, decided he was going to change the rules for Disney because he wanted to punish Disney because they're. Why did he want to punish Disney again? Too too woke. Too woke. Yes. Too yes. Woke. Yes. Right. That's yes. The, and woke is thing. woke is bad. Right. So he didn't like I'm, the I'm fact confused. that they had vaccine mandates. For people that worked there, right? Because that would be unreasonable yeah. at a major tourist destination. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. And I and he was okay. unhappy that uh, they mildly, gently spoke out against the "Don't Say Gay" law. Right. And so his reaction was to say, "Well, you've got this development area yeah. around the Magic Kingdom, yeah, called Reedy Creek." That essentially allows Disney to control all of the, all right. of the infrastructure, all of the services, fire, you know, police, those kinds of yeah. things. Yeah, and this has existed for a 50, very long time. Years. Like back when they were, you know, building Epcot, when you know it was basically just swampland that was undeveloped. It was like, hey, like we'll just let Disney just sort of run this stuff, and and it was kind of a a, a good deal for both sides, right? Like Disney could kind of manage its own properties. But then it didn't, you know, the, the local municipalities didn't have to deal with any of it. It wasn't their problem. Right. And, and so. Right. And so, so first DeSantis said, okay, I'm going to just take that away. Right. We're going to dissolve that right. thing altogether. Right. And that's what he did. No, no, they didn't. Oh, wait. Because, didn't. No, because when they huh. tried to do that, they realized that it was going to cost the surrounding communities like a billion dollars a year. Oh, that's and weird. And Florida taxpayers were going to have to eat that amount I, I feel like I talked about it on a previous podcast. I, maybe huh. you have. So then they solved the problem. Okay, well, well right now, right? They it. solved it. So instead, okay, good. <laughs> he decided. Well, I'm just going to change the way that that board works, and I'm going to replace all of the people on that board. Called me with people that I know. Maybe a Christian nationalist. Maybe people who have given me more than $50,000 in campaign donations. But probably the best people to, and in his words, oversee the moral compass of Disney. <laughs> right. Freedom, everybody. Right, right. Freedom. Right. Okay. So, yeah. So, all right. So, he, he clearly has won this battle. Let's move on. But yet. Oh. Do we have a twist? <laughs> there is maybe my favorite twist. Just I, I just there's some chef's kiss moment here. So the exiting board, the day before the new board were supposed to take uh, yes. control. The people who were being kicked out of their jobs yes. because DeSantis signed wanted a, to assign a moral compass. Right. right. Signed a very large, very detailed agreement with Disney. Yes. Essentially Putting in place the current rules for a long period of time and yes. making it impossible for the next board to change them. Right. And so basically what it is is that they said in this agreement that the standing uh, way that everything is organized will continue to operate until... 21 years after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III. 
And you might think, the fuck? Like, <laughs> why, why that? A couple things. One, uh, 21 years after the death of his last survivor, the youngest survivor currently, because, like, alive, is uh, one of his grandchildren, and they're one-year-old. So you've got a one-year-old, so, like, we're starting, like, all right, baseline, you know, normal human lifespan, probably 80 years. But you're also talking normal human lifespan with uh, the genetics that allowed Queen Elizabeth to live to, like, what, 734? <laughs> well, let's not get into royal family genetics. Because well, right. That really could and go either way. the dentistry probably you're not there, the but the dentistry has nothing to do with this. Yeah. So... All right, you're already saying this is going to be very far in the future. And, and so just purely on that basis, like, just, just some brilliant things. But, but then you're like, well, why King Charles III? Well, the youngest surviving descendant of King Charles III is Princess Lilibet, which means that Disney, as part of its entire agreement, their lawyers cooked it up so that it, everything would be held together by a Disney princess. I... I <laughs> this... These are good attorneys. That's all I'm saying. Like, these, <laughs> like if, these, if these were the guys working for Trump, well, they wouldn't be working for him anymore because no, no, he wouldn't would. pay them. Yeah, true, but if true. they were, he wouldn't have any problems. Yeah, uh, he would have fewer problems than he does. Yes. It, it, is, it is really amazing. And, and they had to put some time restriction on there because there is right. this legal theory about not being able to have unlimited time. Yeah. Right? Um, it's which, like the lease on the Guinness Brewery or whatever right. that was for like, you know, well, and this is the yeah. thing in actually in England, when you uh, often when you buy a house, you're actually buying it for a hundred a hundred year lease at a time. So there are things yeah. called leaseholds and freeholds. Anyway, it goes back to English common law. And if you okay, we fast forwarded through the thirty minutes of English common <laughs> law discussion. Tune into our English common law podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where we're le- even less qualified. Where if you draft can believe it. is still yeah. spelled the same. Yeah. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> but I, I just I just love that. Of course, there are going to be legal machinations around this. But just did love the somehow middle finger on a ma- from a mouse with an even number of fingers. Right. <laughs> Well, no, that's that's why they had to have it be a British involvement, because then they can still give the middle finger in the British style. Ah, that's true. So there you go. The, the two fingers. So, And you know the history of the... Anyway, we're not going to go into that. So all <laughs> had to do with the, archers, people. All right, moving on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all things the former guy, yeah, which so really a, dominated national politics this week. Yes. So uh, I think I'm going to start it here with uh, the campaign rally, because, you know... We're already running. It's. Uh, w- I know we don't have a new name for Circus 2024. It's got to be something else. Probably Dumpster Fire 2024. But the rallies like have dumpster, started. Dumpster fires are so 2020, though. No, like, that is true. That is true. Well, we'll come up with something. Goat Rodeo 2024. So <laughs> the initial <laughs> that might that might win. <laughs> the his his initial campaign rally, you know, just. Because he's so good at optics and marketing, right? That's what everybody says. Ah, Donald Trump, great at optics and marketing. Waco, Texas, miles from the Branch right. Davidian compound. Right. Let's let's. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a big rally, as though I'm a cult leader. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, just just beautiful, and they started off. You know, because these are American patriots. They are people who who get infuriated that somebody might kneel 
during the national anthem or, you know, somehow change the American flag. That would be so unpatriotic. They're, that, uh, they started it with an altered version of the anthem sung by January 6th criminals, people who are in jail either because they've pled guilty and then they've been in prison or they're awaiting trial. They've changed the anthem sung by them with a video of them storming the Capitol. Right, right. Committing crimes, I believe. Yes? Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. I, I don't... <sighs> so, so we only have, since it's... Let me see. It's April of 20, 2023, and the election's November of 2024. Okay, uh, so one carry the two. Okay, that's only 19 months of this insanity <laughs> left. <laughs> 19 months. <laughs> this is how it's can't, starting. Can't wait. <laughs> I mean, we're only at intensity level two. Right, right. But, of course, <laughs> the reason that he's doing these rallies now is because of the next thing, which is the knowledge that he's under investigation across a number of fronts yes. in Georgia, uh, a state investigation. In Washington, D.C., the federal in- investigation run by Coach Beard, of, uh, if you haven't noticed— I mean, Jack Smith is actually Coach Beard yes. from Ted Lasso. Yes. And the stuff in New York. Yeah. And what's been happening in New York has been happening over a number of years, starting with uh, Cy Vance, who was the previous uh, district attorney, which is an elected position, uh, and continuing through uh, through now with the current uh, the current district attorney. Oh, my God. Bragg? Alvin Bragg. Bragg. I'm like, yeah. And, so, <laughs> and, and this has included all kinds of things, right? So it included the criminal prosecution of the Trump organization, where they were found guilty with a jury on 17 counts. Uh, the prosecution of Alan, the big dub, probably, Weisselberg, who was the CFO for Fred Trump and then Donald Trump, um, on a number of charges, mostly tax evasion kind of things. And now... This indictment that's been in front of a grand jury for a long time uh, of Donald J. Trump. Now, a couple interesting things here. We know that they've been meeting. We've been seeing, you know, and hearing reporting of people going in. Michael Cohen's going in all the time. Um, uh, uh, The former head of American Media Incorporated, who owns the National Enquirer, Enquirer, David Pecker, was in last week. You can't make these names up. <laughs> All around these hush money payments to yes. Stormy. I rule everybody on Twitter now. Daniels. And so we know something had been coming. And a couple of weeks ago, there was a truth out there in air quotes. I'm going to get indicted this Tuesday. And of course it didn't happen, but a lot of fundraising happened around it. Right. And then a week went by, and Alvin Bragg said, well, we're, the grand jury's going to take a month off. And Donald J. Trump gets out there and says, the grand jury's finally doing the right thing. I believe that they know what's right. And they were, <laughs> he was planning a no-indictment party. Yes. They were going to have this grand fete at Mar-a-Lago to celebrate the no-indictment. Right. And then what happened? Uh, hold on. Let me think. Let me think. 
Uh, he got indicted. Like, a lot. <laughs> um, 34, 34 counts, counts, as I is, understand is it. The, is the reporting. Yes. Now, now, again, we don't really know. We don't really it's know. Sealed. Because, it's, yeah, it, so we're still working on that. We don't know how much of it is felony, how much of it is misdemeanor. But we do know there's at least one felony in there. Um, that might be, there are 34 felonies, or there might be one felony. We don't know. We'll find out eventually. But, no, uh, we'll find out on Tuesday. Oh, find out on Tuesday. Right. Good point. Because it's going to be sealed until he's arraigned. Right. Right. And I, I've loved the speculative reporting on this, ours included, which is kind of like it could be anything, but probably falsifying business records because we said it was for one thing, but yes. it was actually for something else. The and best suggestion I've heard as far as what is, what is in tr- getting him in trouble is that the payment for Stormy Daniels was filed as a legal expense. Yep. And that that would then be tax fraud. And so that would be bad for yes. him. Well, it's 11. So there were 11 payments yes. to repay Michael Cohen. Yes. Who made yes. the payments to Stormy right. Daniels. Right. And so like making the payments so is one thing, but then claiming the payments as a, as a write-off, as a business expense, that's a, that's a different thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, the reason why, the speculation is, the reason why there are 34 charges is that there are three counts for each payment because they were, you know, entries in a logbook someplace, right? Yeah. So three counts for each, that would give us 33 and some other kind of overriding, you know, conspiracy perhaps, you know, like, right? Yeah, hey, 34, but we're going to find out on Tuesday. We're going to find out on Tuesday who it was. Well, it's a good thing I will have nothing to do no. on Tuesday except to follow the news and watch for this to happen. Yeah. So, so the judge that's been assigned here is Juan Marchand. Great name, Juan Marchand. He was also the judge who oversaw the criminal trial of Trump's businesses and Weisselberg. And he also ah, just so it's a deep state conspiracy uh, is probably. what you're telling me. Okay. Got and, it. And uh, also overseeing the trial of Steve Bannon for his fraud case. Well, there you go. The, yes. I mean, yes. And so, of course. So committing fraud in the state of New York. He's your guy. Yeah, he is. And the, the totally reasonable, rational reaction from the MAGA world was, this is all a George Soros witch hunt. Right. Oh, well, of course. It has to be, right? I mean. At some point, do you think any of them go like, huh, we only talk about evil Jewish people and brown people who hate us? Oh, and wokeness. And, and wokeness. wokeness. So, so they couldn't, like, wokeness doesn't really fit here. Like, it just doesn't, like, that doesn't really quite fit the narrative here very well. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so, like, well, well, like, oh, well, it involves lawyers. And so, you know, uh, George Soros. Like, okay, great, guys, guys. Ugh. And then Ron DeSantis comes out and says, I will not let them extradite. First of all, uh, Ron DeSantis, you don't have a choice. It yeah. is in the Constitution that you cannot stop them. Second of all, what are you going to do? You're going to put protests? You're going to put people out in the streets to stop somebody from going into uh, Mar-a-Lago? Did you know that you passed a law last year that says if you have people kind of protesting in the streets, you're legally allowed to run them over? So uh, what are you going to so, do there? So go DeSantis? for it. Go for it. But <laughs> I, that was never a question, right? Like, Yeah. Like, he is going to be arraigned on Tuesday. Um, the All the media outlets are trying to petition to make that a video arraignment so we can all see it. Um, and then he, he's already announced that he's going to fly back from New York to Mar-a-Lago to make a speech about it. 
that I hope nobody covers. Yeah. I think that would be the ultimate. Just, oh, yeah, yeah. Just, you, we're not going to We know that's it. not what's going to happen, but it would be no, nice. No, 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 it would no, be no. nice. So, so, yeah, so that's what's going on there. Um, it's Tuesday. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. Do you want to pivot to international? I do. I do. I okay. want to talk about this briefly because if you've been listening to us for a long time, first of all, thank you. Rate us on iTunes. And wow. Uh, <laughs> second of all, you'll know that I am... I'm very interested in the politics of Israel, um, and my interest in it is, is complicated in that I've studied Israel as a political science nerd since I was in college. Um, I wrote sort of my final closing capstone paper on a comparison of the foreign policies of essentially the former Soviet Union, Israel, and the United States— and how they mirror one another, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and it's a really interesting place because it's a very young democracy in a very threatening spot. Right? Yes. Um, and the politics there have always been been very complicated and very intertwined with other things. And, um, and we have been covering this sort of three years of not really having government stability. Yeah. Um, so many elections because you've got to have a majority sort of coalition in the Knesset to have a prime minister. Benjamin Netanyahu is on trial for corruption. His wife was already convicted. Like he's been out. He's back in. He, the other people can't form a government. And so he has slowly moved to the right to garner enough power to be able to form a coalition government. So he used to have sort of a moderate center-right coalition. But, you know, when he was charged with all this corruption, a lot of the moderates moved away from him. And so what he did was moved far right to, uh, to the far right of Israeli politics, which is a lot about um, sort of manifest destiny of Israel and the Jewish people to settle wherever they want, all of these things. Um, and made a lot of commitments to that that uh, that group, right? Ultra ultra orthodox Jews not having to serve in the military, which, if you know anything about Israel, is a big deal, right? Like everybody pretty much has to serve in the military at some point um, for obvious reasons. So, so okay, so so okay. Let me finish your thought. Finish. Well, your thought. Let me, we get to this yeah. point where you know the real tension is the laws that get passed by the Knesset and the Supreme Court who tends to be the, the moderating force in the country, yes. a, a check. Yeah. 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 And so they, uh, you know, Netanyahu announced all these changes to the way the Supreme Court is made up and who gets appointed and what they can do with the express intent of limiting the power of the Supreme Court, which has a knock-on effect of allowing the Knesset, Knesset which is now a sort of ultra-right-wing majority, to kind of pass whatever law they want. Oh, and by the way, maybe... Get Netanyahu out of trouble, make him impossible to prosecute. Yes. yes. Okay. And and I will say, protests started immediately. Um, and here we are, six weeks into the protests, and Netanyahu finally backed down. Now that said, the the protests continue because it's like he said. That he's backing down or, or put that out there, but I, I, I feel like the, my sense of things is that people don't entirely trust that that is fully true, and so that so a lot of that is continuing. Um, 
but I wanted to just kind of, you know, uh, you know, as as Americans, you know, you you hear all of that and you think, wow, what a strange and foreign place that is. Like that's nothing like what we have here, where like a a political, uh, a, you know, a, a, a one of the parties in government uh, drifting to the right to find their base of power and putting a leader in charge who's uh, acting as a criminal and that criminal trying to change the entire system to protect himself from the, his criminal behavior and getting him in trouble. I just want to say, you know, like that's weird. That's I don't weird, know yeah. what that would totally be like. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, <laughs> I have very much appreciated the, the bravery of the people who are standing up every day and, and actually the, de- the defense minister came out and said, look, we can't pass these laws because people in the Israeli Defense Force were essentially saying, if you pass those laws, we're going to stop showing up for work. So like most of the Air Force in Israel, they're they're not full time. Yeah, they're you know, they're reservists and they stopped going, said yeah. we're not we're not showing up. And, and even people that served with the defense minister, um, it's it's a really fascinating situation um, yes, he said there was going to be a pause. People don't trust that there's going to be a pause, but people on both sides don't trust. Yeah. So neither the moderates who don't want those changes or the ultra right wing who really want those changes. They're both fraught with fear there. And this may end up bringing him down again. They may have new elections in Israel in two months. Yeah. Um, you know, and one of the things that, you know, as you think about, what we've got, what we are going through here versus what they're going through in Israel, and 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 one of the things that was striking, you know, about what EJ's saying is like they protests were like immediate, like people hit the streets. There was strikes. There was, and it was like, huh, there were strikes. There was a general strike called by by yeah. labor unions. And one of the things I think that we've lost sight of here, because we think like. Like, we, you know, when big bad things happen here, we're like, well, nobody's out protesting. Nobody's really acting to change. You know, nobody cares. Like, the reality of it is, is that if you look at the U.S., like 11, 12 percent of the workforce is unionized. You look at Israel, it's 30 yeah. percent. And so. What is it in France, by the way? Uh, let me look that question. up. France percent. Keep on your thought. I'll unionized. look it up. Yeah, okay. Da, 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 da. We're going to Google this. Da, 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 da. Just thinking about places where there have been general strikes recently. Well, that's interesting. It's only around ten percent, it huh. seems, in France. But I feel like there's. I feel like that's probably. Oh, that's interesting. All they actually technically have a smaller unionized workforce than most other countries, even in Europe. Huh. I need to figure that one out. But yeah. But I mean, like, wild to me. uh, a lot of what you see in, you know, is that I mean, but even even so, like a lot of where the, the strikes and, and all that sort of happened in France are being driven by union organization and sort of yeah. stuff like that. Like, there's just not that same thing going on here. Now, granted, like you go back to like, you know, the, the Haymarket riot days, you know, all that sort of stuff like that's, you know, we we had that. <laughs> to to a degree that you know uh, frightened the capitalists in quite a significant way, but um, you know it, it's I, I mean a little bit of a tangent from from what's going on in Israel, but something I think it's important to understand is like the context for what actually like leads to people yeah. in the streets and the change that comes with that. It, it is absolutely true, and sort of 
strikes in solidarity, general strikes, bringing the country to a standstill. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah. So that's uh, international news. Anything else there? I think we're uh, good. The, the only thing I will say is that our beers are empty. Oh, well, that's, that is some international news right there. It is. It is. Uh, so we're going to refill our beers uh, and continue with our local segment where we have nothing to talk about. But, you know, we'll figure no- out something. Nothing at all. All right. Nothing at all. Oh, man. You want to talk about, uh, talk about Dovetail? We can talk about you're, a big, you're a bigger Dovetail guy than I I like the Dovetail. Thank God I've got some hazies at home I can <laughs> brush my teeth with. <laughs> so we got beer now. Uh, we're at Dovetail today. Yeah. Um, we, just, we already had our first round. We're on to our second round. But what did you have so yeah. far? So whenever I'm here, I always start with the Dovetail Lager because I think it is the best lager in the city. Um, if anybody has a... On the planet, sir. I, uh, you know, I haven't Prove me had, wrong. Prove me wrong. Yeah, exactly. I haven't <laughs> had every lager on the planet. Uh, my uh, untapped app has told me I'm only at level 62 for loggers. So. Well, now I want to know what level am I at on untapped. <laughs> but continue. I'll yeah. look this up. Um, and it's excellent. It's, it, the lager is super clean, super nice. Um, and I moved on to the Pilsner, which are, you know... I could drink these all day. Um, and, you know, I'm a bit of a hophead. I, t- I tend to go for the hazies. I tend to go for the things with the higher IBUs. Um, so, you know, having these is, you know, just very clean, very nice. They do them so well here at Dovetail. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm, uh, I started with the lager as well. Um, one of my favorite beers just generally. Um, I love Dovetail. This is, I mean, the, it is the... I'm not sure this is actually true anymore. I was going to say this is the closest brewery to me, but with the with Cultivate there, I think that might technically be closer to me. Um, it's very close. Yeah. You have three breweries that are very I have, close. Yeah, I have three breweries. Yeah, so it was this, uh, Cultivate by Forbidden Root, and then Beguile are all very close to me, and I am better off for it. Um, you know, in Dovetail, it's like it's the you know German style. Like, they're very, like, traditional styles of beer, but they do them really, really well. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get your hazy IPAs here. Sorry. Uh, but um, what they do, they do very nicely. So I always recommend it. Um, I'm trying to look up my beer badges. <laughs> brewery pint. Let's see. Would it be, it'd be brewery, venue, special badges? So we're yeah, gonna I, beer I badges. Know. They just show up. They yeah, just show see, that's the me. thing. Like, uh, oh, I, oh, I can search. I can search. Here we go. All right. We're going to do logger. Uh, and I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely sure. Oh, I'm only like level 16, but that's because yeah. I don't check in as much as you do. So, I'm absolutely sure that I was exaggerating what level I am for loggers. Oh, because wow. Okay, you're just trying to make me feel bad now. would be something like 310 different loggers. That's that would be impressive. <laughs> that would be a lot. Yes. Uh, that would be a lot. Yeah. So, anyway. uh, and anyhow, I had the logger to start, and then I'm having the sticky stick. I don't know Stick-a- how. Uh, it's S-T-I-C-K-E, but it is a collaboration with Benny's, and it is a, to describe it how they do, a strong version of our alt beer made by their friends at Benny's, biscuity malty with a sort of bitterness and fig fruity esters. And so I think that is a fair representation. 
I, I've got to say, though, when I saw the description, I saw esters in there. All I could think of was organic chemistry. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's got a benzene. And then I was thinking about how it was drawn. I'm, in having, a, I'm having traumatic flashbacks. Yeah, that's Orga what we all I are. took organic biochemistry senior year of high school, and it was, it was moving on. Moving uh, on. Moving on. City of Chicago. So City we Chica said oh, yes, yes, Tuesday's going to be a big place. day. We should go there. So we're going to have the indictment of the former guy, the first of, I hope, many. Um, although, yeah, we didn't even talk about it if we're happy about it. Uh, I've got mixed feelings. Are, are, oh, oh. I'd rather he just go away. No indictments needed. But I think the only way we're getting rid of his indictments or his, or his demise from mainlining Sudafed and uh, <laughs> eating French fries. And, and well done steak with ketchup. But Chicago, we are having <laughs> focus, our... Focus, man. Focus. <laughs> We are having our runoff election. Yes. This Tuesday. Yes. So if you have not voted yet, you may vote on election day at your precinct. Do not go to a different precinct. Go to your precinct because it's, it's complicated if you try to not do that. Um, if you did not get your ballot, uh, be sure to uh, you can still vote. You just have to go in person. You say you didn't get it. You'll just sign a little affidavit that says, I didn't get it, and you'll be able to vote. Everything will be fine. But your vote will definitely count if you make the effort to do so. Yeah. And it's a really, again, we've said this before, it's a really interesting election. We've had 30%-ish of the city council turnover. Um, the first time in some huge number of years here in Chicago that the incumbent mayor did not win re-election. And so the second time in a row that we have a runoff election where the winner is going to be a new mayor. Yes. Um, we've got plenty of runoffs in the Aldermanics uh, maybe to think about. I, I want to talk about a few of those real quickly before we get into the mayoral. Um, things that I'm paying attention to. Uh, 46, Angela Clay against Kim Waltz. Uh, mentioned this before. Angela Clay is... Uh, sort of the Democratic Socialist for America, DSA candidate, uh, community organizer, um, lifelong resident of 46. Um, certainly the more progressive of the two. Kim Waltz is a former, uh, uh, she's worked in several congressional offices, or at least two. Uh, she was a uh, lobbyist uh, for the uh, pharma industry here in Illinois, um, endorsed by Pritzker. Uh, just a completely different kind of candidate. Um, I have no idea who's winning this one. Um, but you can see a lot of the Waltz talking points that are most non-progressive, right? And this is going to be a theme of, you know, every DSA candidate, everybody who, uh, you know, they can link to defunding the police or not for safety yeah. is not for safety, uh, really interesting the amount of money that's gone into that race from outside groups um, where you've seen the strategy of red boxing. Do you know what a, a red box is? Uh, yes, it's a place where I rent DVDs. Ah, that's true. That's true. When you get the Internet at home, you'll be able to use other oh, things. Oh, I can't wait. I'll, yeah, I'm exactly. looking forward to that. I know. I know. Net Zero just doesn't cut it anymore, Steve. So that's why our podcast takes so long to get uploaded. He actually It's not because I'm lazy. The it's because I'm day. uploading on yeah. my 56.6 BPS modem. Exactly. So there you go. And then somebody picks up the phone and it gets cut. It's, 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 it's very complicated. Yes. Um, so red boxing 
is a strategy whereby a candidate will put some messages that they want out in advertising in a red box on their website. And then a third-party group that is technically unaffiliated with the campaign will read the things in that red box and then produce the materials to amplify that message. Yeah. And so a super PAC or PAC can't be affiliated you know, with the, the campaign. And so this is a way that people get around them. It's not a very common thing, actually, in Chicago. But Kim Waltz has done it a ton. And you can see verbatim the things from the red box on her website in the anti-Angela uh, Clay literature. Right. right. So basically it's like, I'm not, I'm not saying that somebody should run ads on this specific subject, but if they were going to run an ad on a specific subject, like I think the things in this box probably would be the things yeah. that should run the ads on. Like, uh, if you, say, which, developers lobby, wanted to run an ad that would make me happy, I would use these words. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, you know, it definitely gets to how, like, thin and and weak our our campaign yeah. regulations are but anyhow and, and look i know both of the people in the runoff uh i supported a different person in the general um i actually personally like both of the people very much um this is just kind of laying out what's going on there so uh, it definitely feels like angela clay is the more progressive of the two um but there you go uh 48 uh, so this is, and so 46 is like Uptown, some Lincoln Park, you know, that kind of area, uh, maybe some Buena Park. When you go into 48, that's now talking about Andersonville. So north of there, this is another open seat. So 46 was open, 48 is open. There were 10 people in the general in 48. 10 yeah, people. That's a lot. Uh, and the, the two that remain are Joe Dunn and Lenny... Mana Hopworth, Mananen Hopworth, Hoppinen, Hoppinen Hoppenworth, Hoppenworth. I don't know why I have a problem with Laney's name. I just call her Laney. Uh, I don't know Joe Dunn. I know Laney. Um, Laney is uh, a local business order organizer. Um, really, really an interesting candidate. Joe Dunn uh, grew up in '48. I would love to say that I knew more about this campaign other than the fact that my really progressive people say Joe Dunn is just like a classic Chicago political hack guy. Yeah. But then then again, I was at Hopleaf last Friday, which is a great bar, a great beer bar, maybe the best beer bar in Chicago. We've, I feel like we should do a podcast from them, even though they're not a brewery and that's sort know, of our vibe. I thought but, about it. But they are like the beer mecca of, of Chicago. So. It's amazing. And they had two signs on their front. They had a Johnson sign for mayor. Yeah. And a Joe Dunn sign. And I was surprised about that. Interesting. Huh. Anyway, uh, can't tell you who to vote there. If I were in 48, I would probably end up voting for Lanny. Um, yeah, that's similar here. It's a, it, it's a weird race. And then 45. So 45 is a great example of where we are in the world. So the 45th Ward, uh, the previous alderman, John Arena, was sort of unceremoniously dumped for his support of affordable housing and replaced with former firefighter and guy currently under FBI investigation, Jim Garnier, who is running for re-election against competitor Megan Mathias, who is a local resident and attorney. Yes. 
And I think uh, just in general terms, uh, I tend to endorse the candidate not being investigated by the FBI. I think that's a good rule of thumb. But and, and you'd think, you know, that that would be a big deal. In, you, yes, especially the, amongst the, the law and order types, because yeah, that's about the In the general laws. election, Garner got 48.6% of the vote. Yes, yes. That is not some kind of stunning rebuke. Um, this is going to be a really tight runoff, probably. Um, and we'll talk about this, you know, in the mayoral. Like, I've been driving around 45. I probably should be out knocking doors for Megan. Um, there are... A lot of Valis signs in 45. There are a lot of very, I, very, very large here's the thing. Garnier signs. Here's the thing. There are a lot of Valis signs. I don't, don't read signs anything don't in this. I mean, a, 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 there's a long, long-standing uh, you know, saying about that, that signs don't vote. But, like, I think there's, like, this conscious effort to try to, like, overwhelm with like all these huge like I mean because the size like even the size of the signs this year are obscene and so like I feel like and I don't know about gardener signs but I assume they're the same like they scale, are the same. epic scale that all, yeah. all these valid sure, signs are technically whatever. illegal but never mind. well you know that was that's a point I was going to get to with the whole mayoral thing is like all these signs that I see posted in places where legally speaking they should not be posted and they do not meet the requirements of campaign signs and I'm like, ah, so the law and order candidate, just just checking on that. Just so, <laughs> like, nobody cares. Okay. Yeah, but it's, you know, that, that race, I hope, is really tight. Yeah. Right? Like, my fear is that it's not tight. Um, I, Megan is great. Um, she's, she's a longtime kind of um, advocate for progressive things. She, uh, an attorney, she's very smart. I think that would be a great, uh, a great replacement of somebody again, who is under investigation and who's, you know, one of his main deputies was already convicted on a gun charge. I mean, he's a pretty terrible guy, and an admittedly terrible guy. Like, why shouldn't I harass the elderly parents of people running against me? Why yeah. shouldn't I have people, you know, just destroying the landscaping of people who say things against me? Yeah. He's a terrible guy, but it's going to be close. I will say I was, I was sort of encouraged to see, again, signs don't vote, but houses in 45 that had Paul Vallis and Megan Mathias signs. Yeah. So that means there are people out there who are like, fuck, yeah. I can't even vote for this guy. And that leads us to the mayoral. Yes. So there's definitely a big thing. Uh, yeah, so I already made the comment about the signs. I, I like It's just one of those things that has just been sticking in my craw, like, like, and, and it was actually somebody posted on Facebook. It was, on, you know, like a Ravenswood watch or Ravenswood going like, like whatever. But it was somebody asking, like, you know, are, is it is it legal for them to post their signs there? And it's like, well, if you look at actual state law, no. But the pen, punishment for it is absurdly mild. Yeah. It's like two dollars per sign per day. And that's assuming that anybody actually enforces it, which I guarantee you they do not. Guarantee. So, no. Uh, it, it, while it is illegal, it is, technically speaking, no. doesn't matter. Uh, and, um, and yeah. But anyhow, that's, that's a very minor pedantic uh, part of running an election. Especially in Chicago. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's interesting to see how the candidates are trying to frame each other. 
Um, you know, a lot of what's being brought up about Vallis is, you know, you know, his financial connections. Um, you know, it's uh, a lot of it's just that he's not a real Democrat. And if and if you look, he isn't. I mean, he said straight up he would run as a Republican. No, he did run. Well, and he as did a Republican. Run. Well, right. For, yeah. Uh, for uh, uh, the Chicago Commissioner's Board. Yeah. So he has literally run yes, as a he's, Republican. He's, yeah, and he's, you know, we, we already covered that he, he spoke with an orga- spoke an organization. I forget the name of the organization that is. Awake, uh, Illinois. Awake, Illinois, that's anti-LGBT. Um, you know, like there's lots of things about him that all read as very Republican. But you but if you run as, this is the thing that's weird about Chicago politics is that there is a spectrum of, well, you can't run as a Republican because you will lose. That's just automatic. But if you run as a Democrat, there's a broad spectrum between, you know, DSA Democrats and machine and then to even the right of that, yeah. which I'm doing with my left hand for some reason. Stage right. Right. Stage right. Uh, you know, that are basically Republicans that run as independent Democrats or whatever. Um, yeah. And, you know, and just kind of a note there on the rhetoric, which is something that I, I, I really did note. And I went back. You're not going to believe this. I barely believe it. And I listened to our podcasts, and this was right when we were kind of getting started, but our podcasts around the last runoff. Yeah. And there was no overriding existential threat rhetoric in that runoff. Yeah. And there are many reasons that that may be the case, right? It may be that it was two women, uh, two women of color, two, you know, like, I, who knows what what it was, but this election and it it may just be that we're four years on right um but the rhetoric from both sides is existential threat yeah well and if you look at like the trends of things then it's like you know the political climate at the time um you know and and ultimately you know when we got down to the runoff it was you know Two women who are not that far removed from each other politically in terms of like yeah. what their positions were or whatever. Like it was like very much like a, I remember going in an election thinking we're going to get somebody that I, I like, hopefully, and somebody whose name is Daly. Like, I mean, like it's like <laughs> and, and essentially that's kind of the dynamic we have this time is somebody who is very much of that machine right wing as far as that exists in Chicago, which is more than you'd think. <laughs> and and versus somebody who is much more progressive and you know it, it, and so it's like the it's a it's basically the dynamic I was afraid of last time is yeah. is happening this time it is and you know if we kind of break down like you know the money for jo- the Johnson campaigns coming from unions CTU has dumped a ton of money into this and he's yeah. on the CTU payroll yeah, it has been for sure um, the Vallis campaign is getting a lot of money from people like Citadel. Right. So, yep. you know, hedge funds that maybe have moved out of Chicago. Um, right. Charter and thus school. have a tremendous uh, investment in what goes on here. Like yeah. Charter school organizations. So like Betsy DeVos. So this was this big thing in the last couple of weeks where a Betsy DeVos funded organization gave sixty five thousand dollars to an organization in Illinois who on the same day put sixty five thousand dollars into the Chicago mayoral race. So money laundering. Um, <laughs> and when they were called saying. down on Vallis was like, I would never accept a because he's a law and order guy. He wouldn't do that. No. 
Um, but certainly charter school organizations want him because in his tenure as school head of schools in Chicago, Philadelphia, and New Orleans, charter schools did very well, right? Not that the school system generally did well. No, no, no. But the charter schools did. Well, though, it was interesting. I was at, um, I was at Hopleaf talking to a guy at the bar, and he said that he was considering voting for Vallis because his recollection was that when Vallis did run the schools, that the schools got better. And that's also, you know, the time when sort of selective enrollment got put in place as well. Yeah. So a couple things happened there. We had a change from sort of neighborhood schools to selective enrollment and also uh, a shift to management by spreadsheet where we outsourced things like uh, the the kitchen staff, the custodial staff, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So really... I could see, you know, people having that in the backs of their minds, right? As, you know, Pal Vallis is like uh, Jeff Johnson in Distinguished Gentleman, a name you know. Um, yeah. So <sighs> a couple of things that have happened recently. We had the Vallis sort of DeVos connection. Um, Vallis uh, founded a company last year with another person in Illinois, with the expe- express purpose of outsourcing teaching jobs to Mexico, like having qualified teachers in Mexico do virtual teaching sessions, right? like connecting them to right. school districts. Because we learned over the last couple of years how well virtual right. uh, instruction works. Uh, and then in the last week, that paperwork suddenly changed on that corporation. Oh, that's weird. To pull Paul Vallis completely off of it huh? and put some other dude on it from Philly but at the same time, they changed the address of the corporation to be Paul Vallis's rented apartment in Chicago. <laughs> Which is another thing to keep in mind. Like Paul Vallis doesn't even own a home in Chicago. What? What? He claims a tax exemption, a homeowner's tax exemption on his house in Palos Heights. Yeah. And rents an apartment. Yeah. Like he doesn't live here. It's probably empty. This is the thing. Like, I I think what frustrates me is, like, if he wins, it will not be because anybody. It will not be because he honestly represented anything that people are voting for him. It's true. It won't be because he was, you know, it's not like he's living in Chicago. It's not like he had anything to do with whatever was going. I mean, obviously he ran the schools, but like. You know, like, you know, there was not really any positive impact from what he did there. And he's had a long track record of actually causing lots of problems at schools. And it's and what actually most frustrates me is the endorsements I've seen coming from. Oh, my God. From like fuck Dim Dick Durbin. Dick Durbin. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and I, I, I've hit it quickly for a very long time now, nice. so that that that's not. But a yeah, big shock, the but kind of machiney. That's exactly what it is. It's these machine, old boy networks. Like, okay, we're gonna, you know, endorse these. You know, the guy who's part of our team. And and I'll tell you, like at the beginning of the election, I I was not, you know, at the beginning of the cycle, I was not like, boy, I really hope Brandon Johnson gets elected. I was like, oh boy, they're they're not. Not a lot of good options here. And at this point, like, I think Vallis is a very bad option. Oh, like a terrible option. Terrible option. So, 
Well, and I think like I guess like I kind of my, my perspective on it was like there are there are many possible options that I'm like I like that I could deal with that like yeah. yeah like I wasn't strongly behind any one of them, but then it was like when it became clear that people were starting consulting around Brandon Johnson, I'm like I like that. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, me too. And I you know I I was out I was making phone calls for Brandon Johnson this morning. I guess that's the full disclosure moment. Um, you know I've been campaigning for Brandon Johnson because. You know, got to do it. GOTV is going to be really important. Um, I, I will say that one of the other interesting things that's happened is that the city council has recognized or has bet on the idea that neither person will be strong. Um, and has, in the last week, tried to remake the city council a little bit, so expanded the number of committees to 28. They've already made committee chair appointments on some really important committees. So in the past, the new mayor would come in, make the committee chair appointments. The current city council is trying to work against that, is trying to establish independence now. Well, and we have a, a relatively progressive city council right now. And so I think that that reads as a hedge against what happens if Vallis does win, uh, to I, my eye. but yeah, Well... Relatively, but it's not just the you yeah. know sort of. Remember the head of the head of the progressive caucus, um, Sophia King, yeah, yeah, endorsed Vallis. That's and then everybody else wrote the letter saying, "What the fuck?" Right, <laughs> which was actually the total letter. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's always you know what are you gonna you know who's scratching whose back for what reason, mm -hmm. and there's you know inevitably deals being made to get some of these endorsements. So it, it does feel like Vallis is the more experienced Chicago politician. Yeah. And has done a good job good in terms of Well I would I would say more connected politician. Yeah. And has sort of um and, and if I did make it clear enough out. in a mafia sense of the term. Right. Because <laughs> he only needs, you know, he needs to just either Stop or take some of the, you know, um, African American or Hispanic vote, right? Like, well, and, and an interesting thing is, there was a poll conducted, and thirty percent of Latino voters con interviewed during that poll uh, thought that Vallis was Latino, and bias. so because you know bias, right? Like, so you know, and and and. Uh, that could swing an election. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, in, it, it's, <laughs> you know, if you look at the polling right now, it's a very close election. So, you know, I would say to the to the three of you who are listening to this, like, talk to your friends. Make sure that they are getting out to do the vote. Um, you know, there was much more, you know, coverage and run up to the big election on the 28th. Um, you know, this is there is probably less of that for this one. I will say, though. It is brilliantly simple to go and vote unless you're in one of the wards that has an aldermanic runoff because you walk in, it's one vote, you're done, bye-bye. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it'll and take you way more time to get checked in, especially if you come to my precinct because I've only this will only be the second time doing it. But, <laughs> but uh, then to actually cast your vote. So. so are you actually working this Tuesday? I am working this Tuesday. Good on you, man. Good on you. <sighs> this is how democracy long, works. Long day, but. Uh, but yeah, no, I've decided like. This is my thing I do for, for democracy because 
you know what? It feels like I'm 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 serving people and helping people in a way that like knocking doors doesn't feel. Even though I recognize that, <laughs> like I understand the difference between the two, but like I feel like I'm annoying people because sometimes I am if I'm calling them or knocking on their door, or, and it just or does recording not, a podcast just, at them. or kind of podcast. Unsubscribe at no no no. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, um, yeah. So anyhow. I think that pretty well covers like what's at stake. We we have a pretty good sense of that. Um, you know, I, just you know, get out, get yourself out to vote. Obviously, and I think if and and if you're of the people Chicago, I know who listen to this podcast, I'm not worried about you getting out to vote. But like, that's true. Well, just, just unless you're in Norway, like just a reminder that um, somebody I was talking to had written me in to as a as a candidate for a a, a hotly contested race. In the in a previous election, and it was like, and I didn't I didn't reach out to them directly. You know, I was posting to Facebook every now and then, but like I was I didn't. Yeah. So just do the extra step. Make sure that people got their ballot if they're doing a mail-in vote. Make sure they know that they can still vote. Make sure they know how. Just you know, and if you're in Norway, pretend you're from Chicago. Yeah, you could probably you, vote. You can probably vote. Just get a comed bill. You're fine. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> I'll send you mine. <laughs> All right. But anyhow. Well, thanks, everybody. Get out there. Get voting. Stay engaged. Stay stay positive. Stay positive. Not that positive. The other positive. And we'll talk to you. We don't have to worry about the other positive anymore, do we? No. I don't don't, know. Whatever. Anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye bye.